service. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, discos. Need a little more Disgraceland in your life? Just a touch to get you through? Yeah, me too. This is the podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Disgraceland, the after party. Welcome to the Disgraceland bonus episode, a little thing we like to call the after party. This is the show after the show, the party after the party, the bridge to get you from one full episode of Disgraceland to the other, the backyard to dig into the dirt. On this episode, we are talking, among other things, about our new full story on U2 and the killer that took his cue from one of their songs. We're also talking about this week's Rewind episode on Sublime, and of course, we're getting into your voicemails, texts, DMs, emails, and more. And as always, a whole lot of Rosie. All right, discos, let's get into it. This is not a rebel song. This is Disgraceland. And this week in Disgraceland, we bring you our first episode of season 14, a brand new episode on U2. Specifically, U2 as we knew them nearly 40 years ago, back in 1987. I can't believe that was 40 years ago. Back in 87, when U2 dropped their fifth studio album, the excellent excellent album The Joshua Tree, and became one of the biggest bands on the planet in doing so. Uh, they also caught the attention of a lot of crazies, uh, murderers, terrorists, you name it, uh, both here in the States and back in their home country of Ireland. This story that we've told this week in Disgraceland, this story is about a particularly disturbed man by the name of Robert John Bardo, who was living in Arizona at the time. And he became obsessed uh, with, a, with an actress in Hollywood. And he be also at the same time became obsessed with the U2 song, Exit. Uh, Exit is the second to last track on side two of the Joshua Tree. And the thing that distinguishes this song from any other U2 song is, I mean, this is, this is, uh, <laughs> I honestly feel like this is Bono getting pulled into the trap of true crime uh, way before we even really had a phrase for it. I mean, I guess we had a phrase for it. Truman Capote in Cold Blood was the first true crime book. I think Helter Skelter is known as the Mac Daddy of them all. And that was, you know, both those books were, were produced decades uh, before Bono wrote the song Exit. I think, I think Bono might have been reading Norman Mailer, uh, but he wrote the song Exit and he put himself into the perspective of a killer. The song is written from the point of view of a killer, and it is a murderous sounding song. It's dark. Uh, and Robert John Bardo, who was mentally ill, 
uh, to put it nicely, he quite honestly didn't know how to deal with this song. And it soundtracked this murderous plot that he carried out. Um, as a result of what happened and what the song came to represent, um, you know, a young woman died because of this song, or I mean, that's that's putting it kind of harshly because of the the the, the crazy psychotic uh, manifestations of a killer who used this song to propel him. Uh, because of that, you two didn't play the song Exit for decades. And they thought it just it had the wrong kind of energy, the wrong kind of power, evil, evil power in the song. And I, I don't think that's an overstatement. I don't think that's an exaggeration. I don't think that's hyperbole. Uh, I think Bono truly believed that that song possessed a certain kind of energy and the wrong kind of energy, which you're going to hear about in the episode we did. And, and, and I believe it not only because I think Bono is a righteous guy and, uh, I, I just I just believe that to be true. I think I think there are certain elements in the world. I think evil is real. I think there are certain pieces of art. I think there are certain objects in the world. I think there are certain people that possess the wrong kind of energy. Um, and you know, I didn't feel that way, I don't think, five years ago before I started this podcast, or at least I didn't think about it. I think the first time actually I ever thought about it was when I watched the movie Jacob's Ladder and and just the, I, I just sort of looked around at my world and thought like, God, what what am I surrounding myself with that is the opposite of good? Um, and and it just it, it, it caused me to, to for the first time to objectify evil. And and then when in doing the research for these episodes, you can't help but come upon uh, just people from history who possess this darkness uh, you can't help but come upon objects, uh, places, locations, settings, homes, buildings, music, art that that contain this this darkness. And sometimes these things get created by accident with the best intentions and things go wrong. And I think that's what happened here with the song Exit. And it's fascinating to think about. It's fascinating to listen to how Bono and U2 dealt with this and the true crime story at the heart of it all with Robert John Bardo and the murder of Rebecca Schaefer, who was a, a Hollywood actress at the time. Uh, super interesting. And that is the subject of this week's episode. Okay. Brand new episode on YouTube, which you can get wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're doing this new thing now, okay? Tomorrow, the day after this release, whenever that is when you're hearing this, but the, the next episode in your feed, we're going to be releasing archive episodes every week. So the release schedule will, from this point on, be Tuesday, full episode, Thursday, this after-party bonus episode, Friday, a rewind episode, which is a previously released episode that is sitting in the archive. Okay, here's what's gone on over the last year. As you know, we were exclusive with Amazon Music. Throughout the year, we've released all of our content, most of it anyways. I think there's like four or five episodes that have yet to come out of the exclusive archive, but the, most of it, over you know 100 plus episodes. And we've attracted a lot of new listeners in the last year. And a lot of them write to us and say, hey, how about an episode on Led Zeppelin. How about an episode on Taylor Swift? How about an episode on Otis Redding? And I'm just like, I've we've done these episodes. <laughs> I get a lot of requests for Guns N' Roses episodes. I got a request for a Rolling Stones episode the other day. Like, God, oh, we have we have 
eight or something like the six, six stones episodes. I think the point is a lot of people are coming to the podcast for the first time and they're unaware of all the content and all the subjects we've covered in the archives. So what we're going to be doing from now on, on Fridays, we're going to be releasing these rewind episodes. Okay. So it's going to go Tuesday, new full episode, Wednesday, bonus after party episode, Friday, archive rewind episode this friday we are releasing the sublime episode from the archive releasing it back into the feed and from now on every week every friday we'll be tying the release of these archive rewind episodes to something going on uh, in the world at large that has to do with the artist or the subject matter uh, from that archived episode so sublime coming at you this Friday. I'm going to talk more about this episode later here in the after party. So here's the question though. This is what I want to hear from you guys. If you are a new listener, what episodes do you want to hear? Okay. What subjects do you want to hear? Which artists, which musical artists do you want me to cover? And don't worry if we've already covered them. What I'm trying to uncover here from you guys is where the interest is in what we've already produced and then resurface it for you here, okay? If you are an existing OG disco, Disgraceland listener from way back, or if you've just been in in, in with us here in the last couple of years, what new episodes do you want to hear? What other artists do you want me to cover? Uh, we talk about this a lot. I try my best to get the subject matter that you want to hear into our production schedule. The Sublime episode, which I'll talk about later, is uh, a direct result of hearing from you guys. So let me know, 617-906-6638. What Disgraceland episodes do you want to hear? New or old, don't worry if we've already covered them. 617-906-6638 on the voicemail, old school style, new school style, 617-906-6638 to text me. Also, at Disgraceland Pod on all the socials, disgracelandpod at gmail.com on email. Let's check out this email from Jerry Middleton. Subject, your podcast, message. Started a short time ago to listen to Badlands and got hooked fast. Now I'm about halfway through Disgraceland on Sirius XM. I'm from Michigan. And have you ever done or planned to do a show on Bob Seeger? Keep up. The great job. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, no plans on on Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger pops up in the, uh, I believe, our, our part one Eagles episode because of the Glenn Fry connection. Another Michigan boy, as you know. Um, I don't know if there's a there's gotta be some sort of some sort of true crime that rubbed up against Bob Seeger at some point, given that long career and given the Detroit connection. I'd be surprised if there wasn't something, especially given how the mafia controlled nightclubs back in the day and the Silver Bullet band was uh, a, a bar band. So I'm sure there's something there. Bob Seeger, Jerry, is one of those artists that I came to late. I did not appreciate the Sieg when I was growing up. I fucking love it now, though, man. <laughs> Getting older, uh, expanding my horizon. And a lot of it has to do with Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. That song, uh, The Placement with Brad Pitt from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is just, oh, damn, so good. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, perhaps, perhaps a Bob Seeger episode in the future. 617-906-6638, guys. Or email me, uh, disgracelandpod at gmail.com, like Jerry there, and let me know what you guys want to hear for episodes. We got this one from Lindsay Cruz, subject episode suggestion, Francis Farmer. Now, I know Francis Farmer was an actress, and I know this is probably more rap party, Badlands fodder. However, uh, 
This just gave me an idea, Lindsay, for a new Disgraceland episode because of the Nirvana connection to Francis Farmer, Francis Farmer's Revenge. Uh, uh, Lindsay Cruz says, hello, huge fan of your podcast. Very informative and enjoy learning all the dark details on musicians and celebrities. Could you guys please do an episode on Francis Farmer? I love the idea, Lindsay. Uh, paging Zeth Lundy. Let's mark that. Let's put that on the production calendar, see what we can come up with there. Uh, email here. This is the last one for this week from Jason Haas. Says, hi, Jack and everyone at Disgrace. And Jason, I love you, man. I love you. But my name is not Jack, dude. It's Jake. You know that. You know that. I'm going to I'm gonna chalk this up to uh, autocorrect fucking up my name here. Uh, anyways, uh, the, the email goes on to say, longtime listener, first time writer. Just got done with the Halloween episode about Black Sabbath. Oh, what a finish. Love it. Love finding out what made Sabbath so damn good, too, with the tritone. And Tony, I always lopped off fingers. I had seen that many years ago, but never connected it once I started listening to Sabbath years later. Also, their start as a Midlands band explains why their first album is so bluesy. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. A lot of great blues artists. Steve Winwood, uh, Christine Perfect, a.k.a. Christine V, Jason, as you know, uh, from that area where Black Sabbath is from, up by Birmingham there in the UK. Uh, let's see, Jason goes on to say thanks again. And hey, rock a roller. You got it, Jason. All right, guys, email me, disgracelandpod at gmail.com. I'll be back in a flash with your voicemails and texts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, guys, we are back. Going to hit some voicemails and texts here. Uh, before I do that, you know, we're, we're talking about U2 this week in our full episode. And, you know, it's funny. I was, I've been surrounded by U2 almost my entire life. I remember being a really little kid, really little, and looking at the uh, the vinyl, the gatefold vinyl for Sunday Bloody Sunday. And that black strat, that that black on black strat that the edge has, the the black pickguard on the black body, I remember just being in love with that guitar. It was before I had a guitar, before I had an electric guitar, excuse me, I did have an acoustic guitar. And I don't know how old I was, six, seven, something like that, maybe even younger, I'm not sure. Um, and I just remember begging my father for that guitar and staring at that guitar uh, in the artwork for Under Blood Red Sky. And just being just, I, I had to have it. I was obsessed. Uh, actually, did I say that the album was Sunday, Bloody Sunday? I was wrong if I said that. Under a blood red sky. That's what I meant to say. So anyhow, you too, been in my life entirely. You know, and, and I was a fan throughout, I mean, everything up until the Joshua Tree, which was just ubiquitous. You could not get away from the song with or without you. And it just soundtracked sixth grade for us. <laughs> It was incredible. I remember being up at St. John's Gym as a kid, hanging out with chicks for the first time. You know, puberty, that whole thing, with or without you. That was the song. Um, burned into my memory. And then they just became too big, and I lost interest because they became 
so damn huge, which is a dumb reason to lose interest in an artist, but it does happen. Uh, it's inescapable. Your, your, your interests change. You gravitate to other music. Uh, things do become so big that they kind of eat themselves in a way. And you too definitely was that. But here's the deal. Objectively, if you two never had a hit and they still made the same music and you listened to it, you would just, you just put it on like out of the blue. Like if an alien landed here tomorrow and just like you gave them all of U2's discography on a mix. So you just, even the, just the hits, the bangers, the, whatever the Spotify playlist is, this is U2. You just gave that to an alien. They'd be like, this is the greatest fucking rock and roll band of all time. They are that good. And I think the main reason they are that good is because of their front man. He is that good. And it's this, this rare scenario where the front man is just extra. Everything about Bono is extra. He is a phenomenal singer. He has an incredible voice. And those are two distinctly different things. Not, you don't need both to be a great frontman, but he has both in spades. Great frontman on stage, completely compelling off stage. Okay. Always has something interesting to say, even if you're sick of his bullshit, quote unquote, or air quotes bullshit. Uh, but he's one of these frontmen who never really went off and had a solo career. And you know, people were in his ear constantly, like they were with Mick Jagger telling him he could be the next Michael Jackson, you know, telling Bono he can do whatever the fuck he always he just hung in there and the band has its limitations but i think that's a good thing you know they're not trying to be the beatles they were just trying to be you too and they were fucking great at it incredible and and we might not realize now because we're so far removed from it just how fucking huge they were and and deservedly so they're an incredible band that's all um now uh, the reason I don't even know why I feel compelled to say this, except maybe because I've just never really given you two the space in my listening life that I should. And I feel like I am now because we got into this episode. And that's part of why I love doing this gig. So anyways, if you're some crusty punk rocker who hates you two, I, I get it. But, you know, don't deprive yourself, man. Go back. Listen. Give it another chance. All right, let's check out some voicemails and texts from you guys. 617-906-6638. Let's check out this voicemail from Ednor from the 406. Hey, Jake, it's Ednor calling from the 406. Uh, talking about the, the rock and roll best tribute songs to an actor or actress. Uh, the obvious one that pops to mind is James Dean by the Eagles. It's a great song, and that song rocks, especially for the Eagles. So uh, that's my, my input, and I tell you, man, I think you have the greatest job in the world, and you're damn good at it. So take it easy, man. Edner, thanks, man. Yeah, James Dean, yeah, it's a great song, great song. And similar to my rant just on U2, I had, I had a very similar experience with the Eagles. Not exactly the same, but I came to them late, had an early disdain for them. Not that I ever really disdained U2 or, or just didn't like U2, but I more gravitated away from them. But I came back to the Eagles and James Dean. It's one of those tunes that it's uh, it's purely Eagles. And yeah, it's a great tribute. So thanks, Edner. Thanks for the wreck here. And also thanks for the kind words. Appreciate you, man. All right, we were talking about in a previous episode uh, death songs, songs we wanted played at our funeral. Got this voicemail from uh, from the 713. Hey, Jake, this is Renee and 713 out in Houston. You were talking about song, death songs and stuff like that. I actually have a playlist of death songs that I told my kids I wasn't going to play at my funeral. But the three songs, or four songs, I should say, really got to hear is The Highwaymen by The Highwaymen. Uh, I want to hear George Harrison's What Is Life. And the one that started off for me was Tito and Tarantula, Sweet Cycle, 
But as everybody walks out of the funeral parlor, I want them to play Probot. Um, damn it, I can't remember the name. It's, uh, it's my Probot. Let me sing it. Um, damn it, something blood. I really screwed this up. I apologize. Have a good one. Bye. Oh man, 713, do not worry about about the Probot tune. We will figure it out for you and we will get back to you. But on the issue of What is Life by George Harrison, great selection, great, great funeral death song selection. And George Harrison had a really interesting take on death. Um, he was obviously influenced by, by Eastern religion. And I heard this great comment of his, I think we might've got into it in the George Harrison episode of Disgrace Land that we, that we released about how dying was like, you know, you just, you're leaving this body. You're just essentially your soul. You're just removing, you're just removing a coat and you're moving on. That's it. That's all the body is. And I, I think there's some truth in that. I, I definitely, not to get too spiritual here, but I think George Harrison was onto something. I think, I think a lot of the religions in the world, uh, be they Eastern, Western, Christianity, Buddhism, Krishna, the whole concept of the afterlife, I believe in it now more than I ever have, but that is a different story entirely. Uh, let's check out some texts, get back to the subject at hand, which is music and true crime. From the 440, on the subject of musical tributes to dead musicians, REM 440 writes, REM Let Me In from the Monster album is a tribute to Kurt Cobain. I didn't know that. I did not know that, 440. 440 goes on to say, it's painfully wonderful when Michael Stipe is Francis Bean's godfather. I did know that. I think she just got married to Tony Hawk's son. And uh, I think Michael Stipe uh, was the officiant. I think. I think. Uh, Michael Stipe is Francis Bean's godfather. Makes it even more bittersweet. Nicole Billington in Cleveland. Thanks, Nicole. Great text. Appreciate you. Put out the call for some dog pics. I don't know why. I know why. I love dogs. So we got this one from the 917. Oh, you want dog pics? Here's my Domino Diamond Dog and Ziggy the Thin White Duke with a painting of Hendrix by a friend, Rock Arola. I love this. I love this. I'm going to story this on Instagram. All right, 917, your dogs are gorgeous. And I love the titles, Diamond Dog and Ziggy the Thin White Duke. Amazing. They look perfect. These dogs are freaking good looking. All right, what else we got here? All right, the 303 writes in, my favorite part of the new U2 episode is the mention of McNichols Arena here in Denver, the 303. Goes on to say, I saw a lot of great 80s rock and metal at McNichols. Ozzy, Metallica, Motley Crue, Whitesnake, Bon Jovi. I did not see Def Leppard who filmed the Pour Some Sugar on Me video there. That's, uh... <laughs> Damn, you missed out because that Pour Some Sugar on Me video is uh, racy. It's a good one. Would have been fun to be there. 573 writes in, greatest musical tributes to fallen musicians. I would like to put forth the soaring Say Hello to Heaven by Temple of the Dog for Andrew Wood uh, of Mother Love Bone. Uh, I added the Mother Love Bone bit. You're right, 573, great song, Temple of the Dog, members of Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. I wonder what, if any, tributes to Chris Cornell have been written and recorded. I'm sure there's some great ones out there. All right, 617. 906-6638. Leave me a voicemail. Send me a text. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. I want to hear what Disgraceland episodes you want to hear. I still want to hear about your favorite musical tributes to musical artists. Uh, we can still talk death songs if that's your vibe. 617-906-6638. Voicemail and text. A couple DMs here. 
All right, this uh, this message comes from uh, Eli Ordez on Disgraceland. Uh, I appreciate her DMs. She's very thoughtful. She says, been thinking about a burning question for you and fellow discos. Now that the series on Wu-Tang is over, who is your favorite member, your favorite album of theirs, or of Wu-Tang Clan as a whole? Uh, what was the fun fact that Jake taught us about them that we didn't already know? Well, I love this. Um, yeah, I mean, my favorite, Method Man, but... Ellie wants to know your favorite. So let us know. 617-906-6638. Hit me up at Pod on Instagram, Twitter. I'm running out of time. Facebook, X. Sorry, I said Twitter. I meant X. Wherever. You know how to get in touch. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. Back in a moment with some recommendations. All right, we are back. I want to get into some recommendations here. I want to talk about U2 first um, and some U2-related content that I want you guys to, to go, or I just want to recommend to you guys to go check out. Uh, first of all, check out the song Exit. It's not a known song. It's on the Joshua Tree. It wasn't a hit by any means, but it is the centerpiece of our latest episode on U2. So go, go check that song out after you listen to the episode or before, whenever. Um, and then... <laughs> I came across this nugget this morning when uh, putting putting my thoughts together for this after party. Uh, there is an incredible, incredible concert movie. It's movies a stretch. It's produced in a very cheesy way, and it's about this festival that took place in 1983 called the Us Festival, which was a major concert somewhere in, I believe, Northern California that was put together by Steve Wozniak, who I believe at the time just made a boatload of money from Apple. He's the co-founder of Apple with Steve Jobs. So he puts on this festival that's, uh, you know, kind of like this early 80s answer to Woodstock. And that's not doing it justice. There's this whole like utopian idealism thing that's behind it, which is admirable of Wozniak. The bands. Okay, let's talk about the bands. The headliner is Stevie Nicks. Uh, directly under her is Triumph. And then supporting Triumph and Stevie Nicks solo is U2. This is like uh, Under the Blood Red Sky era U2. I think it's, uh, uh, it's definitely pre-Joshua Tree. It's U2 on the ascent. They're, they're definitely stripped down at this point. The show is stripped down. Uh, they're very much still repping this kind of like Clash style on stage. It's amazing how much they, they took their style from the Clash as I'm watching this. Um, but it's a really cool moment in time. And it's produced in a super cheesy way, which which lends to the awesomeness of it. The, the whole thing's only like 45 minutes long, the actual, the, uh, the film here, quote unquote film. Um, but it's this nerdy 80s, again, Californian music festival out in the middle of nowhere. And it is just like, it's all these nerds because it's this Apple, like Northern California. Again, I think Northern California thing. Bunch of nerds. And then just, it's weirdly highly sexualized. I, I can't really explain it. <laughs> it's just like, you gotta, you gotta go watch it. It's 1983. 
And it's just, like I said, weirdly sexualized. And the artists are incredible. Even the artists, even Berlin is, I was just like, wow, fucking Berlin laying it down. Um, but the U2 performance is incredible. And the whole, the whole thing, just as a piece of content, is worth checking out. It's fucking weird as all hell. You'll dig it. Uh, I think I got it on Apple. It's probably on YouTube as well. It's the Us Festival, okay? Uh, and it's kitschy, and it's cool, and it's weird. Uh, but it, it just sent me to go watch Rattle and Hum, which I, I'd never really watched intentionally before. And Rattle and Hum... I, I think it's one of the best concert slash studio films that I've ever seen. The opening is incredible. The whole Helter Skelter, Charles Manson thing. You know, Bono, the first thing you hear, you see Bono on stage and he, he gives that famous line, Charles Manson stole this song from the Beatles and we're stealing it back. And just like, you know, I remember when I first heard that line, I was just like, wow, it's fucking cool. You know, just such a cool line. Now I'm like, wait a minute, who gave Bono the authority to steal on behalf of the Beatles? But either way, it's just, it's just, it, it sounds awesome. It looks awesome. Those guys rehearsing in that giant cavernous train station or wherever they're set up in Dublin or wherever they are, just really incredible. And these guys, you two at the time of Rattle and Hum, they're on a fucking heater songwriting wise. Okay. If you look at the songs from the Joshua Tree to Rattle and Hum, with or without you, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, where the streets have no name and God's country, Bullet the Blue Sky, great song. All right. Those are from Joshua Tree, followed up on Rattle and Hum with Desire, Angel of Harlem, When Love Comes to Town. Just great songwriting. Incredible, incredible songwriting. If you haven't seen Rattle and Hum, if you haven't ever really given it the time because it's just you two and they're this big, big pop band that you haven't been interested in in the past, I highly recommend you go check this out. Great, great document, great movie, great film, concert film, studio film. It's kind of both. Check it out. Also, okay, anyone, I, listen, who knows anything about the artist Mark Almond? Okay, 70s, I believe, kind of jazz, kind of folk. I know nothing. Okay, Spotify served me up a song by Mark Allman called The City, and I became obsessed with it. And I created a playlist from that song. And then I became obsessed with this entire style of music, which I don't even know how to explain. It's weird 70s AM, but also kind of jazz. It's just weirdly fusion as well. And I'm at the record store the other day, my local record store, and I'm I'm going through the bin and there's like seven Mark album, not, not seven. There's like five Mark Almond albums, an artist I've never heard of before. And the one with the song that I'm obsessed with, The City is sitting right there for me. So of course I copped it and I went, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to look this guy up, see what he's all about. And then I thought, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this old school analog way through my podcast, <laughs> this digital medium. I'm going to ask the Disgraceland listeners, the smart Disgraceland listeners, what they know about this artist, Mark Allman. Hit me up 617-906-6638 and let me know. All right. Those are the recommendations. Let's go to the rewind. I mentioned it before. We're doing these rewind episodes now on Friday, this Friday, tomorrow, the sublime episode is coming. Okay. Originally released by us on February 8th, 2022 as part of season nine. It's been exclusive in the Amazon archive. It is coming out in the world for everybody to hear. And we're doing it now because it was around this time in November, back in 1995, that Sublime decided to get revenge on a, uh, call it a subpar dining experience at a Denny's in Portland. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a big part of the episode here. But just a couple quick notes 
on this Rewind episode of Sublime. I just want to say, if you haven't heard this episode, go check it out. It's one of those episodes I did specifically for you guys. Sublime was one of those bands that you guys requested early on and kept requesting and requesting and requesting. I'd never been a Sublime fan. I didn't really see any true crime there to get into that would have given me a, a hook into the story, but I, I did the episode anyways, specifically for all y'all who requested it. And I'm pretty proud of what we came up with here uh, in the process. And, it, you know, in that process, I kind of became a fan of the band, or at least of Brad Noel, Bradley Noel, excuse me, uh, and, and his incredible voice, just a great fucking singer. Great voice, that dude. Uh, so if you have heard the Sublime episode, uh, you know, thanks. Check it out again. It's available for you. If you have not heard of it and you love Sublime or you even don't love Sublime, you just want some new Disgraceland content, it's coming. It's available for you. Check that out. 617-906-6638 voicemail and text at Pod on the socials, Pod at gmail.com to let me know what Disgraceland subjects you want to hear next. I'm going to take a quick break. Back in a flash with the recap. All right, we are back again. Let's recap this, shall we? Number one, right now on your feed, a brand new episode on U2. Number two, coming tomorrow, a rewind episode on Sublime. Previously exclusive episode that we are finally releasing back into the wild. Number three, over in the Badlands feed, we've got a brand new episode on Phil Hartman. And I promise you, it is not what you think it's going to be. Number four, next week in the Disgraceland feed, a brand new episode on Blondie. Five, my number, 617-906-6638. Call me on the telephone or text me. Number six, remember, no one cares about the music that you love more than you do. And well, that's a disgrace. All right. My moment of bliss in honor of this week's Rewind episode on Sublime, who 28 years ago this month in 1995 made a, let's say, nasty deposit from their motorhome into the back of a Denny's in Portland, Oregon. I am going to read to you the phone book from Portland, Oregon, circa the mid-90s. Huddock, Joseph, 2318 Northeast 105th. 257-3366. Huddock, Clyde, 13149 Southeast Sherman, 257-7624. Huddits, George, 2031 Southeast 41st, 2366159. Huddy, P, 2367411. Hudkins, Glenn and Janine. 2249 Northeast 169th, 2564099. Hudson, John, 646 North Hidden Bay Drive, 283-770-942. Quit talking and start mixing. <laughs>